Dude, I feel like a piece of shit right now. Like, been, like, researching about this guy, and I'm just, like, sitting on my couch while he's in, like, <laughs> seven wars before he's 19. I'm like, God damn it, I can't even work out anymore. Well, that's his quote. He, like, said that Al Capone operated in, like, three towns in Chicago, or three sections of Chicago. I operated on, like, six continents. Like, <laughs> yeah, get on my level. <laughs> Alright, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Fight the Fate. I'm Mike Bonomo. I got Brian Davies. Yep. And Sean Kleins. Howdy. The history buff is here. <laughs> Don't you have a bachelor's degree? Technically. That's what we bring <laughs> to this podcast. We bring degrees. I've got questions, but... <laughs> Today, we are doing... The like the straight Captain America of U.S. history, Smedley Darlington Butler, Thank and you. Sean was the one that wanted to do this guy. What is he, your hero? Yeah, I like him a lot because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, he's from like Westchester, so he's like not too far away from like the Philly area. Is he the god of the Marines? Somewhat. He got two medals of honor, so. And, uh, spoiler! And, uh, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, dude! What What is a brevet? Oh, someone died, so you take their spot. Yeah, brevet. Brevet. <laughs> it's a French word. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Yeah, so like, if your captain died, they would take the lieutenant and be like, "You're the brevet captain till you actually get officially yeah, promoted." Yeah, you're not officially. And they yeah. give you medals for that. That's what I read. Like he, he was, he was the like one of three people to get a medal of honor and a brevet medal from the Marines. Well, they get yeah. don't they give you the medal and then it has still has to be approved by. Yeah, I think that's an old medal too. I don't think it really exists today. It'd be too many medals given out. <laughs> R.I.P. So this guy was a United States Marine Corps Major General, the highest rank anyone could achieve at that time. His Marine career lasted thirty-four years and he became outspoken about the consequences of war in America. Butler was born July 30th, 1881, to think a young boy from Westchester, Pennsylvania, would one day find his life moving hand in hand with America becoming a true world power. Are you talking about Bam Margera? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of did the same thing with Pretty skateboarding. Much. But, like, with dead Asians. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not wrong, but... <laughs> Bam recently just, like, went off the wagon and, like, went crazy. Like, he held, like, a huge party at his estate in, like, yeah. Westchester. Yeah. He went on the podcast I listened to called Come Town. <laughs> and they were like, he just couldn't handle it. He came on for one episode, and he's already, like, fighting with his wife, losing his Lambo. <laughs> well, he's, like, editing footage from his from his days like that's all he does now he sits in his room and edits fo old footage yeah he's been doing that for like eight or nine years now and he's trying to make a documentary for ryan dunn the guy who like wrecked his car and died yeah all right r.i.p we got to get back to smedley <laughs> right now it was a very simple and happy childhood for smedley his parents thomas and maude were both descendants of quakers thomas was a judge and u.s representative a very respectable man in the community. I'm going to bring back Maud. 
<laughs> like whether I have a boy or a girl, their name's gonna be Maud. And like I think a lot of his life mirrors uh William Penn's. Like there's the Quaker connection, but there's yeah. also like his dad was well established mm-hmm. in politics and stuff and his son was kind of more of like a maverick. Not like Logan Paul, but like an actual <laughs> actual maverick. <laughs> Smedley started earning respect early on, attending the Haverford School. He was a captain on the baseball team and the football team's quarterback. Loaded with pee. (laughs) Just beating the pee off with a stick. He was the man from so early on. 38 days before high school graduation, he decided it was time to join the military. His father wanted him to finish school. Even though he dropped out, he was actually awarded a diploma anyway, and his transcript says he completed his last course with credit. <laughs> What's really brave about this is this is long before the, the 1990s commercial with the lava monster and the marine. <laughs> so, like, he just, he just he didn't even have a fancy commercial to sway him into, like, giving up his life and a high school career. There's a really funny monologue in a, a show called Generation Kill that, like, follows uh, Special Forces Marines going through our, the invasion of Iraq. Mm. Oh, the second I like one. that, yeah. And the one guy's like, that fucking commercial with the lava monster and when they slay dragons, that got tons of motherfuckers to join. <laughs> That's a good show. Yeah. Well, first he tried to join both Army and Navy. He was rejected from both of them, but he never gave up. He lied about his age and sent his paperwork to the Marines. They bought it, and he was shipped off to Washington, D.C. for basic training. After just six weeks... He was deployed to Guantanamo Bay. He was paid direct commission as a Marine second lieutenant. Like, he lied about his age. Now he's making money for being a Marine (laughs) when he shouldn't even be there. How many many ranks did he just jump? A lot. (laughs) Well, second lieutenant's the lowest officer, but, like, a second lieutenant gets paid as much as, like, a gunnery sergeant who's been in for, like... 12, 14 yeah. years, probably. That's crazy. Yeah, so he's getting paid pretty well, just starting out. The Spanish-American War was basically over at this time. Cuba was already invaded and captured before Smedley arrived there. After Spain signed over control to the U.S., the Marines made their way back home. So that was his first little trip off uh, off to Guantanamo Bay, which shit was already wrapping up. So. It, it's kind of funny how we got Guantanamo Bay because, like, we leased it for 99 years for, like, I think a dollar a year. <laughs> but, like, we just invaded Cuba and we had, like, thousands of troops there. And we're like, here's a lease. It'd be, it'd be cool if you signed this. <laughs> <laughs> to fill the time, he was assigned to the USS New York. And I, I was looking this up, but I'm guessing this was the ACR-2. That was the most heavily armored ship in the Navy at this time because there's, like, 12 ships that were the USS New York. Like throughout time, mm. so I I was looking I couldn't find it, but I was looking up what was new. This ship was new around that time. Like you've probably seen uh, guys in a uniform in the military that have like the the ribbons and the badges mm-hmm. for all yeah. their things. Ships have that too. They like fly flags off the mast, and it shows you all the campaigns the ship's been in. That's kind of dope. Yeah, that's like that's like medals on like is that, Call of Duty. Is that what the ribbons denote on the uniform? Yeah, usually it's campaign ribbon. Okay. Like, you get, like, the little Iraqi flag is, like, the ribbon if you've been to Iraq. That's dope. I never knew that. Now, Butler was a sort of fanatic from a young age. He just wanted to see some action. After four months of living on the ship, it was time for another deployment. 
Manila, Philippines was the place to get involved in the Philippine-American War. This war was like the kind of a Vietnam-type era conflict. Like It was literally like guerrilla warfare in the jungle because the Filipinos didn't they didn't want to go straight from being controlled by the Spanish to America. Like, they didn't want to just transition to another empire controlling them. That yeah. sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. His first, uh, his, he was first put on garrison duty. Bored out of his fucking mind, he turned to alcohol to find some light in his life. He even got caught drinking and was relieved from command due to a little blowout in his room. <laughs> did we? Did you find out what that was? Because I the didn't. blowout. Yeah. Just unnamed. Dude, just just imagine what could have been going on. <laughs> just little Filipino boys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think it was that kind of blowout. No, because everything I found was like... He was blowing out. All right. it's, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> blowing, I, blowing out O-rings. <laughs> oh, my God. I shouldn't have named it blowout. I meant to just say party. It was a different time. <laughs> Even that. Like, <laughs> like, hey, you want you want a party, soldier boy? <laughs> so when he got uh, relieved, they brought him back as a first sergeant. What's the what's the comparison between the first sergeant and the um uh, the second lieutenant? First sergeant's like one rank above Gunny, so it's like a E. I'm gonna need a chart. <laughs> you got to make us a chart. So they he's br- like second second from the last for enlisted rank right now. At the first sergeant? Yeah. So he went down from second lieutenant? Yeah, but he's probably getting paid more still. Oh, shit. He's definitely a lower rank on the hierarchy, but, like, he's higher on the enlisted rank, which is oh. non-officers. Yeah, so they just gave him a little timeout, brought him back. Yeah. And uh, finally, in October, he saw his first action. Leading 300 Marines to the town of Navaletta. Their mission was to fuck these insurrectos up. <laughs> and those were uh, Filipino rebels that he was gunning for. By noon, the Marines took the town. There was only one dead, ten wounded, and 50 of them got sick from the humidity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like nowadays, before you go to uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, you'll acclimatize in Kuwait, which is like you know, a really quiet country. Yeah. So you'll stay there for, like, I think two or three weeks, and then you'll go to those countries. So you get used to the climate because it's, like, 110 some days. I went to Ephesus. Is it, is it like, sort of the same where the dry heat? Like, I, I really didn't feel like it was 110 and dry heat. Yeah, I've been to the Mojave Desert, and it was, like, 120 when I was there, and it was oppressively hot, but it yeah. wasn't, like, as bad as humidity in, like, yeah. North Carolina or something. I'd yeah. rather be in the dry heat. Florida. Yeah, I was in Georgia, fucking dope sick one time. <laughs> then, dude, it was <laughs> the South. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. We don't. You lost the war. <laughs> it always comes back to the Civil War, dude, doesn't it? It really does, dude. <laughs> well, they keep bringing it back, though, too. Well, they love it, even though they lost. I would never, like, put my trophy on the wall that says I, like, lost something. Yeah. It's a participation statue we got. And I've heard from friends that do the reenactment, and they said that, like, the South Side is, like, more family-friendly. I don't know what the hell that means. I never, like, followed up. No, they're not. All right, let's get back to the We know what that means. Let's get back to Smedley. Well, people want to do the Confederate side more than the Union. Really? Some reason you want to cosplay as a loser. I don't know. Everyone likes an underdog. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So after the Marines took that town... 
Smedley needed something to remember this day. He <laughs> went down to a local tattoo shop and told them to get to work on the eagle, globe, and anchor. The top of the eagle's head started at the base of his throat and the anchor ended all the way down at his waist. This tattoo was huge, dude. And I tried looking for like a picture of it with, I tried finding him without his shirt on. <laughs> Shirtless medley. Cause, yeah, because I wanted to see that shit, but I couldn't, there's no pictures so of him. So you probably saw a lot of pictures of him. He kind of looks like a square. Like, yeah. He doesn't look like a guy that would have a giant that tattoo. That tattoo had the look <laughs> He looks like a, like a skinnier FDR. Yeah. And like, less polio. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping to see that so bad. All right. It was about this time when Butler met one of his lifelong friends, Littleton Waller. Also a Marine, Waller had received command of a company in Guam and needed to select five officers to bring with them. And Butler was one of those officers selected. That does sound like a fucking made up name little tip yeah baller. i was just thinking like no one can talk shit about like <laughs> about african-american names like this is dumb. yeah <laughs> well I'd, I'd take laquisha over littleton any day i like a littleton guam was slow something else was going down both waller and butler were ordered to china to handle a classic uprising <laughs> the boxer rebellion this anti-imperialist anti-colonial an anti-Christian movement was the product of the militia united in righteousness. The boxers are interesting because they thought that they could like do enough uh, working out to be bulletproof. Like they would do a ton of sit-ups, and they thought like that eventually could like make them impervious to bullets hitting them. Like enough dense muscle mass. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, when we talked about the warlords in Liberia, and they gave them like talismans and they're like you're okay now or yeah, yeah, wear this yeah. wig and this they dress drug, and you'll be boom boom powder yeah <laughs> let me tell you what these dudes were like real quick these chiseled grizzled and agile young chinese men were known as boxers because of the martial arts and weapons training they used these fuckers would start whirling their swords while violently protesting and chanting to a number of different deities the gods would then give them the invulnerability from cannonballs, bullets, and the slash of a sword. That totally worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Butler rolled right into the Battle of Tientsin. Thousands of boxers were already burning all the Christian churches and killing anyone in their path. Just swirling swords around, dude, hitting anyone who got in the way. And the... The reason there's such a backlash against Christians in China is, uh, I think, maybe 40, 50 years before this, around like when we were having our civil war, China had this guy who said he was Jesus' brother and started a giant rebellion in southern China and killed millions of people. Jesus' um, brother? I'm going to need you to run that by me again. Uh, I, forget, Should, I forget the name of the Like the war. Chinese claim they had like... No, no, one Chinese guy. One Chinese guy claims he, he, was, claimed Dave, he was David Christ. Yeah. <laughs> And he, like, was polygamous and had, like, a whole, like, <laughs> harem of, like, 50 women and stuff. Why <laughs> Why everyone that's Jesus got multiple wives? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of themes that we keep Not going Not even, back like, Jesus' <laughs> descendant. Jesus' brawler. Like, he's still... <laughs> Like, they're not even, like, he acts like they're close in age. Hey, like, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, it's me, Mises. Uh, hey, what's the difference between you and your older brother? About 2,000 years. 
So at the the Battle of Tiensen, the plan was not to completely surround the boxers. They would leave an escape route and flush them out the back because they didn't want uh, a lot of bloodshed themselves. So they knew if they surrounded them, it would just be an all-out war. So they wanted them to retreat. Yeah. The Allies quickly made good work of the battle. Once the threat was gone, the trouble just ramped up again. Allied forces began looting local Chinese homes. Then came the raping of hundreds of women. Germans and Russians would just bayonet the victim once they blew their loads. That's a hell of a double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know if Americans were involved in this at all, but what I was reading was, I mean, it could have been anyone, really. They were all mixed together, just... I think they called them the foreign, like, consulate area, and it was, like, eight nations. So it was, like, all the imperial powers and in America. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they, once you defeat somebody, it's kind of, like, hog wild They back just then. went all yeah, out. At, on at them. this point, China was pretty much piecemeal, right? Like, everyone had their own little section. Yeah, they had, like, spheres of influences. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the English opiate wars and stuff like that it had happened before this. It's just crazy. Like, you, you're, you're stuck in the middle of this war at your house. And the war's over, and you're about <laughs> to just get raped. Even though you think, like, that they just defeated the fucking rebels that invaded your town. Oh, and even Japan was there, because Japan wanted, like, parts of China, too. Oh, I'm sure they were there. Yeah, and uh, the Russians were there, because they, <laughs> <laughs> they wanted uh, Port Arthur, which is, like, a... They, uh, it was going to be, like, their only warm water port in Asia. It's, like, a little peninsula near Korea. Everyone we, needs a port. We did not get text message about this conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Why you no invite us? Uh, the, oh, sorry. The uh, in after World War One ended in, in the Treaty of Versailles, the Japanese snuck this like thing in there that like all races were equal as an imperial power, mm. <laughs> and every other country just struck it down immediately. Like we know what you're doing, Japan. <laughs> get out of here. Before people were like getting raped at this battle. He was, uh, Butler was trying to, like, help all of his wounded brothers, and he took a bullet in the upper thigh. But that didn't even stop him from continuing to fight. He was saving lives under severe fire. Four men received the Medal of Honor for their bravery. He done got gumped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He gumped a bunch of people. I think uh, Dan Daly was there too with him, and he's he's another like legendary Marine. Yeah, he was there. He was always there. Yeah, <laughs> in spirit too, <laughs> in spirit and in bullet. But apparently, like Dan Daly was just walking around with like a uh, a revolver, just like shooting the boxers. <laughs> Do you know uh, any, like, a little background on Dan Daly? What any wait, information? Yeah, I think he was one of the Medal of Honor winners, and um, he he was kind of had a similar resume, just like. Uh, Smedley Butler, like he was, he became prominent. He came up through the Marine Corps when they were doing a lot of these uh, little wars. Yeah, <laughs> that America forgot about. <laughs> yeah, if it's a little war, you can get a bunch of ribbons like in a couple <laughs> yeah. years. Well, a lot of times, this is why like the Marine Corps focuses on like small unit tactics. Like we will focus on having twelve guys be like the main unit, like a, a or like even a fire team of four people. Yeah, and they focus on this because they're dealing with insurgents. So you're probably just going to be out there on patrol with, like, four or 12 guys. The Army uses more people. Yeah. 
Like, the Marines would send 12 people where the Army would send, like, 48. Yeah, the, the Army is just rolling in. Like, yeah. No the, plan. I always joke they use human wave tactics. <laughs> well, we're going to get to the, the Army and uh, Roosevelt's ideas about it. Since yeah. commissioned officers weren't able to receive this war, award at the time, Butler received a different kind of gift. Two weeks before his 19th birthday, he was promoted to captain. Captain at 19. That's a pretty big come up. <laughs> That's insane, <laughs> dude. When uh, he was fully healed, his next orders were to go down to Central America and protect the interests of the United Fruit Company. The U.S. had stakes in everything from bananas, tobacco, and sugar cane. Butler would spend years policing the banana wars. This is why America really around this time america campaigned against colonialism like mark twain was actually like the biggest writer for it like he was against the philippine occupation he was against guam all that kind of stuff mark twain yeah that man child yeah so like him and smedley wouldn't have gotten along in this time <laughs> but uh america didn't want they did the marshall uh plan and all that kind of stuff because they didn't want uh european powers in america or like the western hemisphere because they wanted to have interest in these companies like the sugar cane. And America's idea was, we'll just buy all the companies. We don't actually need to, like, occupy the country and be an actual empire. We'll build a business empire. I went to Mark Twain's house. Oh, really? Pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Connecticut. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. By 1903, he was stationed in Puerto Rico. Rumors of a Honduran revolt were going around. Smedley was sent to provide naval support using a converted banana boat <laughs> named the Panther. Carried hundreds of Marines to Honduras. A banana boat. That's like, what, That inflatable? No, an inflatable, like... The, the, I, there's no way. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Just man riding dick to ass right on the banana boat. Not the butt. <laughs> it, took, it took over 7,500 ships riding on that stupid banana boat. That's all I thought about when I was, like, researching. I'm like, banana boat. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a boat. cigarette boat, which I... Why do we call boats dumb shit like that? So... They probably transported that stuff I gotta, in the past. I got to look up what a banana yeah, boat Yeah, the is. banana boat was a little, uh, it's probably 20, 30-foot ship. What year? Yeah. It looks like a ship, but it's real small. Like, it looks like a liner. Well, it'd be less noticeable. Like, uh, Theodore Roosevelt was always saying, uh, walk quietly, but uh, walk with a big stick. And his yeah. big stick was, like, the big naval ships America had. And he would send them on tours of, like, the world. So we would just park our big ships in their harbors. Yeah. And it worked out really well in Cuba, but... <laughs> God damn it. So Smedley described this mission that he was about to go on. You want to do a Smedley? No, nah, that's, <laughs> that's veteran territory. We were prepared to land and shoot everybody and anything that was breaking the peace. That's good. <laughs> that's, yeah, I felt that. The Panther <laughs> hit the shoreline of Puerto Cortez. The Marines stepped off and were greeted with silence. The entire town was quiet. No signs of rebels anywhere. They headed straight up to the coast. Town after town, nothing. No one was there. They thought they were about to walk into like a battle and this shit was just empty. Have you ever seen the video of like the first landing of the Marines in Vietnam in like Da Nang? No. Nah. Nah. When we first started, uh, ramping up the war 
the Marines are like going like full amphibious assault, like jumping off the the Higgins boats and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing. There's actually like CBS had like cameras and like we're filming them come towards them on the beach. What mm -hmm. the? And they, they <laughs> so like them. the reporters were there before them. <laughs> Dude, I don't even want to think about Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the same thing. It was so quiet, and they're like, "What's that going like on?" Like a real good way to get shot. <laughs> like yeah. just be in front of like an army. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rebels are just waiting in the jungle because like that's their territory. The beaches are wide open. You're gonna get shot. Traveling up, nothing. It, finally, they were passing the town of Trujillo. Gunshots rang out. Butler and his Marines geared up for battle. Rebel forces called Bonaista. You think that's Bonaista? Bonaista? Is it the L's? Are they silent? With the, with the well, it, Y? Yeah, if it's two L's, it's Bani, the Y sound. Bonaista. Whatever. <laughs> Rebel forces called Bonaista. <laughs> We're in the middle of a 55-hour gunfight with Honduran forces. When they saw the Marines showed up, everyone ceased fire. Like, they pulled up to the middle of a battle. Everyone just stopped and watched them. <laughs> battle was over, dude. The building, um, the butler got out, led a small group to go check if anyone was still alive at the American consulate. The building looked to have been evacuated. As they continued their search, they found the American consul wrapped up in an American flag hiding in the middle of the floor beams. <laughs> Making their way back to the Panther, as soon as they hopped on the ship, the battle behind them resumed. That sounds a little made up with him, like, holding the flag. No, <laughs> he was wrapped like a little child in the, in the American consulate. That does work. And they literally just <laughs> scooped him up like a cat the American, and brought yeah. him out. The American flag is bulletproof. Yeah. Um, Dude, Smedley would truth. not lie about this. <laughs> that, that's funny because that, that kind of goes with like the police state kind of thing, like uh, the, yeah. the United States being like a police country where it's like, well, cops are gone. Pow, pow! Yeah, yeah. They didn't want to like— they We did, back! They didn't want to intervene with them. Kind of like Vietnam. Like we would go in— take an area, like, through battle, and then the insurgents would leave. And as soon as we leave the area, they would just go right back and take it. Like, hey, man. hey, y'all need some freedom? <laughs> y'all need some intervention? I miss you. I miss you, George. I miss you, George Bush. This is He's where... still alive. <laughs> go visit him, dude. Email him, right? Nah, I'll, e I'll email him at his house in fucking... What is it, Maine? Yeah. He's just chilling. He'll paint a portrait of you. <laughs> that's what he does now he paints it's just all fucking that's like Hitler it's just sad <laughs> it's just sad Dick Cheney faces yeah <laughs> this is where Smedley got his first nickname Old Gimlet Eye he had been suffering from some kind of tropical fever at the time making his eyes bloodshot mix that with his already penetrating stare there's two bloodshot eyes staring at that's him that's why they yeah. stopped dude yeah, like I got you, the sense he was already an intense you, guy. You guys are in the middle of a gunfight and the fucking devil shows up. <laughs> you know, just red-eyed fucking military. Fuck that. Old gimlet eye. <laughs> the Marines spent some time in the blue fields of Nicaragua doing God's work. <laughs> Holy shit. They did what they could. That's, that's, no, no. That's really no, dark. I don't know. That's not. Let me finish. <laughs> I didn't mean to write it like that. Like genocide? They, <laughs> Whoops. They, Whoops they, all genocide. No, no, no. <laughs> they did what they could to make the town nicer when from when they arrived. 
Government prisoners were also helping. They dug six miles of street ditch to drain stagnant pools into the bay. I read that too fast, and I, and I read into the eBay. <laughs> the, yeah, then they're, they're, they're branding and their advertising is doing really well. Though. When Smedley's not killing people, he's picking up litter. No, he's a solid dude. He like, really he's is. solid. Yeah. He really was, like... Nice guy, Smedley. <laughs> Butler uh, returned to Philadelphia and spent some time in the Navy Yard. And June 30th, 1905, he married Ethel Peters. Newspaper headlines read, Uncle Sam's youngest war captain, whom bullets couldn't kill, now pierced <laughs> through and through by love's little dart. Was that written by the fucking <laughs> that New York was Post? In, that was in the newspapers <laughs> when this happened. That's fucking The crazy. best man at his wedding was Littleton Waller. He and his wife would go on to have three children, one son, two daughters. Littleton Waller making another appearance, dude. A couple of nervous <laughs> breakdowns with a nine-month sick leave. Trauma seemed to have been taking a toll on his mind. The, uh, through a friend, he got a job as a manager of a coal mine down in West Virginia. Every day, he would leave his wife and baby alone with their two bulldogs in their mountainside cabin. Yeah, this is the part that was confusing to me because like, they list like several careers. A lot of this which took place during his fucking... Like, active period in the yeah. in the Marines. Like he, what was he? Safety, safe public safety officer for something. Mm. Yeah, some for Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't uncommon back then for like you to go out of the military and come back in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different era, but Grant did that too. Like he, like managed a store. He failed at like every career he tried to do on the side. Mm. But it's just odd that like he has no civil engineering background. Or like you can manage this mine. Well, he's he's so ranked that like people don't care anymore yeah <laughs> and he came from like a wealthy family so like that doesn't hurt and it's and we'll see like in his life they're always calling him out of nowhere to do missions because he's so good he really yeah. is like every arnold schwarzenegger movie yeah but it's real <laughs> like dude. we need you to come back i cannot come back this is what we were talking about with roosevelt earlier the fall of uh the fall of 1908 roosevelt uh, thought it was a good idea to sever the Marines from the Navy and combine them with the Army. Yeah, this is like a bone of contention because, like, the, the Marines haven't had uh, – a lot of times when they – like, even World War One when the, the expeditionary unit went over, Army generals were in charge. It wasn't like the Marines were allowed to do their own thing. Yeah. Like, in their small units, they're allowed to do their own thing, but the overall command is usually, like, an Army general. So I probably should have done more research, but so, like, did they spawn out of the Navy, the Marines? Well, they were, like, the same branch for a while there because the Marines would be sharpshooters on, like, the mast, keeping people from, like, boarding the ship. Okay. So that's why there's, like, an emphasis on being a rifleman and being able to shoot well because mm. you were sniping dudes trying to, like, jump the, jump on your ship. Okay. <laughs> Basically, they couldn't get along with anyone, so he blamed them for putting him in such a position. He was forced to back down from his stance and tried saying he was doing it so the Marines had time for more important missions. <laughs> That's why he just kind of tried to cover up that he actually was saying this shit. Yeah, it's a good way not stopped. to. It was the fucking polio, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a different Roosevelt, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Theodore Roosevelt had a dog in the fight because he was in the army with the Rough Riders. And Were all they that. related? 
Oh, TR and FDR? Yeah. Yeah, they were cousins. Okay. Maybe well, like second cousins. I'm not 100%, but they were some sort of cousins. I wonder why he didn't have polio either. It It's weird. I don't know why, but it affects people that were wealthy more often back then. Why? I Someone told me it was because they're more cleanly, which doesn't make sense. What the nah, fuck? Like, uh, probably like the lower class servants they employed employed like to like fucking typhoid mary like it was really known as like a disease that like rich kids would get like it, there was no surprise that fdr got so it. weird his, his family was really wealthy by 1914 butler's family had been living in panama then the call came in again the orders were to join a battleship squadron off the coast of mexico near veracruz and monitor revolutionary movement throughout mexico Smedley didn't like having to leave his family. He was starting to enjoy the time off. <laughs> but, you know, that little itch kicks in. He and Navy Lieutenant Frank J. Fletcher were involved in a sort of spy mission to detail an invasion from inside their borders. They updated maps and railway lines. Well, like, Veracruz is, like, the, the second, like largest city in Mexico at that time, I think, and it was, like, a really important port because it's on, like, the Atlantic side of Mexico. So it's, like, a big... Uh, it's probably, like, their equivalent to, like, Baltimore or Philadelphia. Mm. Like, a big port that's wealthy. Well, let me tell you guys a little story about how this shit went down <laughs> after that. President Woodrow Wilson never recognized the presidency of Mexican General Victorano Huerta. Vic Veracruz was Mexico's most important seaport, too. And you said they were that was their largest city, right? Or something? I think it's like the second largest. Second largest with the most important seaport. And Huerta was threatening to kill U.S. citizens and all their economic interests. <laughs> so just destroy anything American. You're about to get fucked. Rule number one, don't threaten the U.S. dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he's about to get, get what's coming. It all came to a head when nine U.S. sailors were detained in Tampico. Since they couldn't understand each other, the Mexicans captured them and escorted them to police headquarters. Even <laughs> though they were released right away, they refused to give a formal apology to the U.S. That's all they wanted, dude. Just say, <laughs> just say sorry, dude. Lo siento, señor. Then f you're <laughs> fucked then. We're, we're going into battle. That's when Woodrow asked for a full armed invasion before the 5,800 Marines could secure the city. There were constant gunfights in the streets. Huerta hightailed his ass out of there. Just from an apology, now we're going full armed invasion <laughs> on your ass. The Battle of Veracruz was like kind of guerrilla warfare in an urban setting. So it was like the first time... House to house. It's like Yeah, the Marine Corps is dealing with house to house fighting. There was tons of sniper action. But like that's one crazy one sniper can like stop a whole company of of troops like that's you know a few hundred people saving mm -hmm. private Ryan yeah it's a good way to like <laughs> <laughs> I Such love a good movie. I love that and um uh Full Metal Jacket when the sniper yeah. holds them down when yeah, they're trying to advance too. you can go visit that set still really that movie set oh, yeah. I guess I didn't shoot wherever it was it's still exactly how it was in the movie I saw. It. On Ranker. <laughs> yeah, Butler would receive his first Medal of Honor for his distinguished conduct in the Battle of Veracruz. 
At around this time, more soldiers than ever were receiving medals, and some believe this actually watered down the meaning of them. Yeah, yeah. And that would be a big thing later in his life, which we're going to get to in part two. Yeah, that's an actual controversy. Like, around this time, they were, it seemed, seemingly, they were giving out a lot of medals of honor for little things. That normally would just get, like, a bronze star otherwise. Yeah, I mean, as long as you give me something, I'm going to put it on my uniform. Well, no, Napoleon always joked. He said, like, you can pay a man as much money as you want, but if you tell him he can get a medal, he's probably going to work ten times harder. Because he... <laughs> That's a, that's true though. That's, yeah, that's, like if my work did that and I could like wear a couple <laughs> badges, I'd be fucking working so hard. Bling bling. <laughs> uh, did you guys think he was actually gonna stop doing war shit after this? Nah. All right, we're going to Haiti, baby. Nineteen fifteen, Haitian President Vilbron Sam was brutally killed by a mob. Vilburn Sam gave the orders to execute 167 political prisoners, including the former president of Haiti. The population got so pissed off at the news of the killings, Sam knew they were after his ass. <laughs> the French embassy offered him asylum to wait out the storm, but the storm came to him. Rebel mulatto leaders part of the Haitian Revolution, found out where Sam was. Did you uh, Did you see this anywhere? Yeah, well, usually it's like a downturn in the economy and people start losing their shit, so, like, it doesn't take much. Well, and, it, it feels like it was built up more because once he gave the orders to execute, I think that was the final straw where the Haitians were like, this dude's got to go. We can't take this anymore. Yeah, there's, like, a, a legacy of the French colonial impact on haiti like a lot of the uh plantation owners were actually people of mixed race that were like the plantation's son with a slave yeah and they would educate them in france but they would make them stay in haiti and like run the plantation for them so like rich people in haiti tended to be biracial and there was a kind of a class struggle between the actual like african haitian people of haitian that were Haitian but of African descent yeah. didn't like the biracial people because they tended to be richer and more educated. Jesus. So Christ. this is like an outgrowth of like the consequences of France's colonial. This time. is the initial like hate towards light skinned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Haiti kind of like has dictatorships where people were of biracial descent would like take over. Mm. It's kind of like Liberia where they had like the American ex slaves that were Americo Liberian against like the actual native Africans. Mm. This is what they did to Vilbron Sam. They drug him out of the embassy, threw his body on top of an iron fence out front. Thousands of people surrounded him. Next, they tore his limbs from his body. And if you were lucky enough to get your hands on a piece of flesh, you got to parade it through the capital's neighborhoods. That's like the ultimate wishbone. <laughs> 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 now, why, why am I telling you this story about the Haitian president and this overthrow? Because Smedley Butler was on his way to fix this shit. When the you US, smell an intervention? <laughs> yeah, he's about to intervene on Haitians. When the U.S. found out this shit was going down, they ordered the USS Connecticut to Haiti. Butler arrived with his 44 mounted Marines and began to patrol the Grande River one night. 
400 armed men called Cockles ambushed the company. Everyone was in shock. Retreating to high ground, the Cockles managed to kill the horse that was carrying their only machine gun. You don't pronounce the C's? No, you do on no, that. Fuck. I looked up. No, <laughs> he's just fucking. I dude. look up YouTube little clips because um, I don't know how to pronounce any of this shit. Like the rebels fleeing to the mountains is kind of symbolic, because uh, like Hispaniola, which is like Haiti and uh, the Dominican Republic now, a lot of escaped slaves would go into the mountains and like uh, start. They're called Moro communities, mm-hmm. and they would like go back and like in the mountains they build like. Uh, African-looking structures and actually, like, speak African languages and stuff like yeah. that. That's dope. Yeah, so it was cool. Like, they would, like, flee and, like, make their own communities in the mountains. So he's, uh, Smedley's on 40, he's in control of 44 mounted Marines. Remember when, uh, like, right, it's just crazy how they're going to use these horses, and right after this, like, horses will be non-existent or not used anymore because of how easily they are to kill with a machine gun. Yeah, you would only need it for this kind of stuff, like, like being just in Haiti, searching and there's, there's no roads. Yeah, but like, yeah, you're saying like a modern. If they were fighting a modern empire, they would. You would they be, wouldn't need the horses. Yeah, because you're noticed easily, and you're taken out. Easily. Yeah, and then you got dead horses laying everywhere. They're just used to the move equipment after this. But that we'll get to that later. This skirmish that he just got in lasted. So the 400 cockles were on them, surrounding them. This skirmish lasted. All night as the Marines bunkered down and held the perimeter. It helped that the Cockos were so fucking bad at shooting (laughs) guns. Later in the night, Daniel Daly, a Marine present at the Boxer Rebellion, went to retrieve the machine gun. He killed three more with only his knife. Walked up with a knife and just killed three people. And got the machine gun back. Do you still get achievements in Call of Duty and Battlefield That's for like, knife kills? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy that Daniel Daly was just there, like, ready to go. He's All just, these yeah. famous dudes. He's just running around like a crazy person making those Halo 2 noises. Like, <laughs> double kill. <laughs> triple kill. <laughs> You're fucking great at this. <laughs> his, his, his most famous quote is, uh, like, about to go over a trench and, like, charge uh, someone else's line. And then he just turns back to his Marines and he's like, do you guys really want to live forever? Let's fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) This is when uh, Daniel Daly got his second Medal of Honor here for that shit. And Butler did not like being ambushed too much. At first light, he planned planned a counterattack on Fort Dippity. All the remaining (laughs) cockos decided to run to the fort so they wouldn't die. Within hours, the fort was captured. Fort Dippity. Is that right next to Fort Shenanigans? I'm not sure. <laughs> I tried looking up how to pronounce that one, but I couldn't find anything. I don't even know if it's a real plate. So this this is around like time of vaudeville. So like maybe it means something in like vaudeville English shit. I'm not sure. They but, said uh, they would like say shit like that. Like he's Dippity too. <laughs> Fort Dippity. <laughs> so they they uh. They took the fort like it wasn't even a problem. About a month later, Smedley returned to the mountains to clear out the area. This time, he was coming with 700 Marines and sailors from the Connecticut. They already took a bunch of other small forts with the cockles inside. Now, there was one fort standing, Fort Riviere. To narrow down on this last operation... 
Butler was given 100 men to get the job done. He was also the first one to reach the wall of the fort where he was able to find a small hole in the block. Leading his way, they engaged the Kakos in hand-to-hand combat. This is like this is battlefield, dude. It really is. Like, just wait until Smedley gets his hand on those cockos. <laughs> just going in, fighting hand to hand. I think it's pork or chicken or steak. I would say, uh, I want to uh, say chicken, but chicken, I, I don't remember tacos? the. Yeah, I don't remember the uh, the French word for chicken, but I think it's close. <laughs> I think it's actually pretty close. Guys, we have a problem. One of these Marines suffered a horrible loss in this battle. <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even talk about it, dude. We lost one of our fucking guys lost his two front teeth in this battle. <laughs> That's it. That's the only guy that was wounded. Fifty-one Haitians lay dead. That I mean, like how do you like they cleared them out like it was nothing. When you bring a machete yeah. to a rifle fight. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Assistant Secretary of the Navy Franklin D. Roosevelt was very impressed with Smedley and recommended he be given a medal. Give that guy his piece of medal. (laughs) (laughs) The Medal of Honor was approved in 1917, making him and Daniel Daly the only two Marines to receive two medals at two separate battles. Butler also received the Haitian Medal of Honor. The the funny thing is, like, I don't, I don't know if it was back then, but now, uh, as a Marine, you can't wear decorations from even other services. Yeah. Like, my friend got a, uh, I think it was an Army Achievement Medal for doing something in Iraq, and he couldn't wear it on his uniform because it was an Army Medal. That's bullshit, <laughs> dude. Why, why are the different branches so sassy towards each other? Why, why is it like Mean Girls? I don't. The Air Force doesn't seem to give a shit because <laughs> they live in luxury comparatively. They're those nerds, aren't they? Yeah, and hey, even the puddle jumpers are like tougher than the Air Force, right? <laughs> they. Uh, have, I did research. I know your slangs. They have. Uh, I think they're called uh, air air controllers or something like that. They're the guys who call in the airstrikes for them. He's like they're they're forward observers. They're actually like pretty good, but yeah, the rest of the Air Force is. Try it. Let it out, Sean. Let it out. At Fight the Fate, we support all branches. Um, I was at Fort Leonard Wood for training, and all four branches were, like, right next to each other. Like, our barracks were... All four? I don't... Coast Guard's part of the Homeland Security. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fucking know. So the the Navy was right next to us, the Army was next to us, and then, uh, you know, the other Air Force. And we would steal their guidons, which was, like, how their, their flags for their units. Mm. So we would just play games like sneaking into their barracks at night and stealing their shit. <laughs> this was like camp. This is like sleepaway camp. Yeah, we never got caught though. <laughs> just doing fucking shenanigans. <laughs> so we made it uh, for for Smedley Butler's life. We made it to 1917 so far. He's got two medals of honor. And did you think it was time to take a break from war? War never changes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Only the, only the dead see the end of war. Well, Oof. we got Ludo. a little uh, <laughs> we got a little catastrophe brewing, and the whole world was involved in it. Butler's next stop, World War One, and that's where we're gonna end up for this week. We're gonna pick up with the rest of Smedley Butler's life. We got a lot to get into still. All his uh, he goes into like 
all the policies and he tries fighting for rights for soldiers and he, we're going to get into it a lot but we still got some war to get through he's got to pad his resume after yeah we got we got some <laughs> he's shit got some more jobs <laughs> that's going to go down and you're going to want to hear about this uh little 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 uh action that was being planned are you talking about the the, the coup Oh yeah, yeah the, yeah, bi- the yeah. business plot. Yeah, yeah, the business plot. The, yeah. alleged, the alleged coup. <laughs> I couldn't remember because I didn't really research it yet. But we're gonna fucking they die. W- they would have. Yeah. They would have pulled it off too if it wasn't for those Schmedling kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> Good night. Um, yeah, Schmedley had like several books out. Ironically, like when you type in his name, he comes up as an author. Um, yeah. Not yeah. as like <laughs> a decorated war veteran in general. Um, but no, I was watching. I was watching. Uh, that on YouTube, like his book a lot. It's a, uh, it's some good stuff. Go, go get your knowledge on. You can even find he's got a couple speeches on YouTube, so you can actually like see how he looked. How Especially he... that one, the the war wars a racket or whatever that fuck, whatever something along those lines. It's called it's like yeah. Oh, Eisenhower just bit his whole speech. <laughs> yeah. Like he just beat his like he stole his whole thing. Like he was talking about that way before. Yeah, Eisenhower was trying to be woke, but he was you know. He. Smedley, Se- Smedley started it. Secondhand wokeness. <laughs> Military industrial complex woke. <laughs> I just want to thank uh, the. I got some of my information from Maverick Marine. It's a book. Um, Hans Schmidt wrote it, and uh, it's really detailed about what Butler went through through uh, all these wars going back home. So you guys should check that out. Maverick Marine. We're we're gonna be ready for next week. So I'm Mike Bonomo. That's Brian Davies. Night, night. And that's Sean Hines. <laughs> See ya. And this is Fight the Fate. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>